Invite, if you would, to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be in verses 38 through 48. If you're using the Pew Bible that's provided there for you, we're on page 684. We're continuing through our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're, if you're looking for the Sermon on the Mount to get easier, um, spoiler alert, it never will. Um, each week is something that's hard and something that convicts us and calls us to a pursuit of righteousness that's more than that, Jesus would say, of the scribes and the Pharisees. Harder than religion, harder than going through the motions, but living in accordance with the principles of God's kingdom that will call us to be different, call us to stand out and be a light on a hill, to be salt and light, showing others what it looks like to be citizens of God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. Jesus said, You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today is a special day in the life of our church. We're calling it Discover Mount Brook Baptist Church. So we put signs out on the street and ask people to come in and, and give us a chance. Come and see what God's doing at Mount Brook Baptist Church. And it gives us an opportunity, I think, as a church family to remind ourselves of, of who we are even as we've invited guests to come in and get a glimpse of who we are. And this passage that we are looking at this morning really forces us to think deeply about the good news of the gospel, the meaning of grace and all that God has done for us in Jesus, and then this response that these truths ought to evoke in us that we can't just say we love God and live with grace and generosity, but there has to be this this movement of the Spirit in us as he transforms our hearts that we then go out and live differently. Did you know that? notice that emphasis in both Sharon's children's sermon and in Jesus' teaching in this passage? But there's some things that come naturally to us as human beings. Loving people who love me. Pretty natural response, isn't it? 
being nice and kind to those who are nice and kind to me, pretty natural response to come from me. But loving people who are my enemies, praying for those who persecute me, going the extra mile for those who are insulting and making my life more difficult, that's something that Jesus drives home here in this teaching that that ought to be strange to us. It ought to be this response that comes out of us that we say, what in the world is Jesus talking about? How could this be the case? We claim to live into the statement, love God and live with grace and generosity. And this passage helps us think about the good news of the gospel and what it is that we mean when we say that we love God. We're not talking about some generic idea of God. We're not theists that just kind of say we believe in God in general. We believe in the God who's revealed himself to us on the pages of Scripture. The God who created us in his image. When we sinned against him and we fell in the garden, he did not give up on us, but he pursues us. And he comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ most clearly humbling himself, taking on flesh to be born and look like you and me, and becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a what? A cross. It struck me this week as I was walking around the the parking lot, call it a New Year's resolution, reunited, call it maybe Lent, I'm moving around more, Kelly, Maybe I'm giving up sitting in my chair too much. But I was walking around the property just to kind of stretch my legs and think, and I passed by the cross on our front yard. And I noticed the crosses in the sign. It says Mountain Brook Baptist Church. And it just occurred to me as I saw the crosses there that, that this the sign, this mark that we take on as Christians is one that if we're not careful, we just, we just get used to it. Like, of course, of course the cross is the sign of our salvation. Of course the cross is a picture of who we are as a people. We lose the stark image of maybe an electric chair in our day. And that the God of all creation stepped down into this world and took on flesh and went to the cross so that we might be reconciled to the Heavenly Father. Not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because God loves us with a steadfast love that he was willing to go to any measure so that we might be reconciled to him. As I was reading that passage this week from Matthew chapter 5, and I thought about that idea that if someone slaps you on the cheek, what does Jesus say you're supposed to do? Turn the other one. Just think about that. When, when I say when someone slaps you on the cheek, what do you feel? know what I feel. 
And you and I can't help but hear that in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That Jesus allowed himself not to just die on a cross, but to go and to be humiliated. Basically naked, there in front of everybody, slapped and spit upon. Even while we were his enemies, Paul says Christ did what? He died for us. What love, right? What love. And this is the God that we say that we love and that ought to move us to love him in response. When we say that we love God, it's not a generic, some kind of civic understanding of God, but it's the God that's revealed himself to us most clearly in the person of Jesus who went and was humiliated on our behalf on the cross so that we might be at peace with him. And the teaching of Scripture is that he did this for us even when we were his enemies, even when we were opposed to him. And he calls us to live with grace. If you had to define grace, how would you define grace? We have this Bible study on Tuesday mornings. So grateful that Joel lets me still come. Get to be the old man hanging out with a lot of seventh grade boys. It's just so fun. That's my little breakout group. And we ask and we rehearse the gospel. We rehearse the good news. And we say, what is grace? Grace is God's undeserved love for sinners. What is grace? Grace is God's undeserved love for sinners. When Jesus gets to the end of our passage today, did you notice how he, how he talks about God's grace extended to all people? He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It's a term that theologians refer to as common grace. That everybody in this world, no matter how evil or how righteous we may think they are, no matter how just or unjust we may think they are, every person in this world, God is gracious to allow them to enjoy things like sun and rain. Now you might be thinking, he's been extra gracious to us recently. Rains all the time, doesn't it? But all these things that you and I take for granted, that pretty soon we're going to be driving to church and we're going to just pass beauty all around us because the rain has made it possible. And God is gracious to us, even though we don't deserve it, every moment of every day to sustain our lives. And he provides it for the just and the unjust, the evil and the good. And he calls us as his people to do the same thing. To extend his grace and his mercy and his love 
to all people. Just and unjust, righteous and unrighteous alike. He calls us in that last verse to be what? You can look down. Perfect. Anybody feel like you're in that category? Especially not after the reading for today. Yeah, definitely not perfect. But he's helping us see that, that, that we're called to this higher standard of righteousness, this higher life. And ultimately, this is a better, more freeing life. And it's the means through which God, in his wisdom, by the power of his spirit, seeks to transform the world. So you and I think might makes right. You and I think that if someone's in the wrong, it's our job to serve justice. We're kind of eye for eye, tooth for tooth kind of people sometimes, aren't we? And that was meant to be limiting. It was meant to restrain so that we wouldn't in excess go overboard in seeking revenge or retribution. But people had twisted it and turned it into License to make sure you got a pound of flesh if a pound of flesh is taken from you. Eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus says, I call you to a different way of life. To love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. It's the case that, that Jesus was talking to people who persecution was a much more felt reality than it is probably for you and me today. Persecution for following Jesus was a real real thing that they were going to face. Jesus tells them to go into that kind of world and to love their enemies, to pray for those who would persecute them. And as I read this and I think about us as the church representing God in the world. I'm convicted that, that we live in a world that, that doesn't prize things like this. Especially as a guy, right? If you're like a guy, someone slaps you on the face, what's the sign of strength? Get them back. Right? Sign of strength is to, to show that you're dominant, to act upon those feelings that you have in you. I like you too. Judge me if you want to. I love you too. And they have this line in the song that says, are you tough enough to be kind? And I've always heard that line and I've thought about that. Like, are you, are you strong enough to be kind to people, especially people who are being unkind and unjust and even evil to you? It makes me think about this passage as Jesus went to the cross. There was this strength and this humility in him that he was able to endure all of that on the cross for you and for me and our salvation. And aren't we glad that he did? I also think about the early church, those who would be persecuted because of their faith. Do you know what struck people most about the early church? What struck people most about the early church wasn't that they thought they were going to get Christians in places of political power. 
I mean, that would have been like ludicrous to them. Of course there wasn't going to be a Christian Caesar. Of course there wasn't going to be like a Christian governor or fill in the blank. But it didn't limit them in their ability to witness to the good news of what God had done for them in Christ. And so often, the way they made a difference and an impact in their world is the way that they suffered for the name of Jesus. And they laid down their lives for the cause of Christ. Someone in church history said the the blood of martyrs was the seed of the church. And their lives were this powerful picture of the good news of the gospel because, because they saw themselves in the place of those who were persecuting them. And there is that question, what would love require in this moment? If their hearts were so transformed by grace and mercy and kindness that, that perhaps they could see themselves in the position of those who were persecuting them. And to ask the question, what would I want someone to do for me if I was in that position? I want them to extend me love and grace and mercy. And to hope that God, by the power of his spirit, might do this work in their lives just like he's done in our lives. So when we talk about the gospel and we talk about Jesus dying for sinners and we talk about him pursuing us even when we weren't worthy of it, it's got to be more than just lip service. It it can't be this, this theoretical, yeah, I believe that Christ died for sinners kind of vague idea. But we have to really believe that apart from God's grace and his mercy, his undeserved love for sinners like you and like me, that we were lost and without hope in the world. I hope my prayer for, for all of us as we come face to face with a passage like this is that God would transform us by the power of his, because I, I think it's harder than trying. I think the church is more than just a group of people who get together and try to be more Christ-like. I think we're a supernatural group of people and God's Holy Spirit is present and at work in us. And as we look to Jesus and as we think about the cross and as we think about God's love for us in him, the Holy Spirit does this work of changing our hearts to be more and more like Christ. The message of the gospel is not try harder. The message of the gospel is look to Jesus. And as you look to what God has done for you in him, your heart is moved to love him and to live with grace and generosity to the other people that God puts in your life. And it's not going to be because they deserve it. And it's not going to be because they're easy to love. It's going to have to be motivated by this gospel work that God's doing in our hearts and our lives. And ultimately, that life is better. I did my Bible reading this morning in Matthew chapter 11, came up. 
And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. There is no rest, and there is no peace, and there is no abundant life, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. There is no peace and abundant rest of you and I trying to get even, trying to overcome our enemies. There's peace and there's rest that comes when we entrust ourselves to the God of the universe. And even if it means laying down our lives in this life, even if it means giving up our stuff, even if it means being taken advantage of, we trust that God will ultimately provide for us and the gospel is more important than us. And it's freeing to entrust ourselves to God's plans and purposes, even in our suffering and our hardship. So may it be, may it be that God would move and captivate our hearts as we look at all that he's done for us in Jesus. We might go out and live according to norms and values that this world cannot understand. How can you love those people? How can you serve them? How can you be kind to them? How can you invite them in? And our answer will be, well, when I was a sinner, Christ died for me. When I was his enemy, he took on my punishment that I might be reconciled to the Heavenly Father. That love of Christ has transformed my heart And I have to love other people. At that point, church becomes this exciting thing of offering and extending grace to all people. Pray that God would make us more and more of that kind of church. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you you that you love us even when we don't deserve it. In fact, you love us in spite of the reasons that we don't deserve it. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you humbled yourself and you came into this earth and you took on the punishment that we deserve so that we might be reconciled to our Heavenly Father and to each other. And Lord, I pray that for us, grace would not be an abstract concept. We would see that it is our testimony, it is our story. And that you would move us to extend that same grace and mercy and kindness to others. Do that work in each of our hearts, we pray. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.